of all of that, what leads to it is he's a man of prayer. And he's a man of God. And, and I just love, I've got to know him over the last uh, about year and a half. And as I've got to know, well, actually two years, April would have been. Um, but as I've got to know him, and I, I've just fallen in love with his heart and his passion. And I will say this, not every church would allow three days to be focused on a prayer. Even though, let's be honest, we are, we are to be a house of prayer. Not everybody would focus in on this. Now, if I was teaching, if I was teaching Dave Ramsey, and that's not wrong stuff, but if I was teaching a financial stability and financial rescue, and yeah, I'd come in. Or if I was teaching on, you know, 10 ways to treat or, uh, better treat your spouse. But not a lot of people will, will spend this much time and focus on prayer. And so that just speaks very loud of your pastor. And, and, and I'll, I'll tell you what, I love Sam to death. I've got to meet him the first time in, in Florida. I thank God for his passion, his zeal, his hunger. He, he's, he's rambunctious for Jesus, and that's why I love him. You have no idea. There's a lot of youth pastors that don't want to do nothing. They just want to hide. They, all they want to do is hide. They're just taking a, a check, a check and, and they're, they're, they're just doing an easy job. Do you know 60%, listen to this, this isn't in the Assemblies of God, but over 60% of, of ministers that enter in the ministry say that the reason they're entering into the ministry is because it's an easy job. Huh. After five years, they're gone. <laughs> they go, oh God, it's not as easy as I thought it would be. But uh, I want to read something. I, I, I'm, I'm big. I don't just, I don't just pray. Um, I study prayer. I study people that do pray. I, I, I can tell you stories of men um, that, that uh, John praying Hyde. And John praying Hyde was it his, his heart moved in his chest. Did you know that? John praying Hyde was a, a missionary and he prayed so hard that literally he was so moved in prayer. He'd be so tense that literally his heart cavity moved to the center of his chest. And they said, you can't live like this. And he ended up dying from conditions from that. Um, I can tell you stories of, of people that would, would be traveling and, and guys would throw themselves on great big snow mounds and they would begin to pray and they would melt through the snow. Um, I can tell you stories of, of a man, um, and refresh my memory, which one he was kneeling down by his bed, praying pacing from Portland. And he would kneel down on his bed right in front of his bed, and he would just pray. Well, when, they, when he died, they found him on his bed, and they saw these two holes that were next to his bed, and it was through hardwood floors, and he literally prayed through hardwood floors. His knees ground through, through the hardwood. Can I tell you that uh, James, you ever read it in the book of James? You know, that's, that's not James the, the apostle. That's James the brother of Jesus. Do you know what his nickname was? Camel Knees. Because his knees were so calloused from prayer. The Bible was full of people that were radical in, in, in this, this element. And, and they were toxic. And what I mean by that, toxic to the kingdom of darkness because of their prayers. These, these people opened prison doors because they were praying. They, 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 they moved heaven and earth because of their prayers. 
And so one of the things that I've always said is I want to be a man of prayer. You know, I didn't go to Bible college, so I, I can't necessarily say I'm going to be great at theology or great at preaching, or, but I want to be great at prayer because prayer is driven by passion and it's dri- driven by devotion. But I was reading this book. I don't know if you've ever heard of How many of you have ever heard of Ian Bounds? Ian Bounds was phenomenal on his writings about prayer. But what's so crazy is I was reading this on the plane. I read this book about at least uh, once every two years, and there's, there's weapons of prayer, the preacher in prayer, um, essentials of prayer. But this, this is what's so great about this. He wasn't sitting down going, I want to write a book. These are his thoughts. This is how he was thinking. He wasn't just compiling books. He was just writing down, manuscripting his thoughts and his prayer life. And and listen to what it says. He's talking about devotion here. He says, devotion engages the heart in prayer. God dwells where the spirit of devotion resides. How many of you agree with that? Listen to what it says. It is not an easy task for the lips to try and pray while the heart is absent from it. Doesn't the Bible say that it says, you come near to me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Your worship is only taught up, is made up of rules taught by man. He's saying, listen, it's hard to to do this when your lips are moving, but your heart's not there. How many have ever tried to pray and your heart's not been there? Let's be honest. All of us. Okay. Listen to what he says right here. The very essence of prayer is the spirit of devotion. Without devotion, prayer is an empty form. A vain round of words, sad to say, much of this kind of prayer prevails today in the church. Now, you need to understand, this was around 100 years ago when he wrote this. He said, sad to say that so much uh, of this kind of prayer, is, uh, this kind of prayer prevails today in, in the church. This is a bit busy age, bustling and active And the bustling spirits has invaded the church of God. Its religious performances are many. The church works uh, at religion with the order, precision, and force of real machinery. But too often it works with the heartlessness of a machine. Listen to what he says here. He says, we pray without praying. We sing without singing with the spirit and the understanding. We have music without the praise of God being in it or near it. We go to church by habit and come home all too gladly when the benediction is pronounced. When, when, when we read our accustomed chapter in the Bible, we feel quite relieved when the task is done. I wasn't thinking about you guys when I read that part at all. Truthfully is, is so many times we are relieved how many of you know that, that, that time matters? But we come into church and we are timed. We, we are, we're like, well, we start at 1030. We're usually out by 12. And we work our day and our routine around the time that we should be getting out. And so as time, as, as service invades our time, that it invades our life and then everything else. Nobody, we, we don't like wasting time. We don't, don't like being put out in time. We, we don't like knowing. We'll, there are women in this room that set their, their stoves and their ovens and their, pot, and their pot roast and their crock pots to cook so that when you get out of church, there's going to be a hot meal ready for you. And if church goes long, something's going to get burned. Am I correct? Have you ever just 
And I'm not saying this because I'm a long-winded preacher. I'm a long-winded preacher. I hope you didn't set your meal. You're gonna get, it's going to be burned tonight. I'm not saying it for that. But what I am saying is, have you ever just went into prayer with no time limit with God? Where you just said, God, whatever you want to do, I've set the day. It's yours. You ever given God a day? You'll give your kids a day. You'll give your spouse a day, or if you're not, you should. You'll go to the doctor. Now, please hear me. How many of you have ever went to the doctor before? Not many of you. Healthy church. <laughs> We've all went to the doctor, right? And you schedule that appointment. Maybe, maybe my doctor's a little bit different. He's one of my best friends. Um, maybe my doctor's a little bit different, but you schedule it at 10. You show up at like 945, and you finally are seen around 1145. And they put you in this waiting room. And you're sitting there waiting patiently because you're a patient. And you're waiting for a man to continue to practice on you. That's if I understand how it works. And the rule is that if you aren't sick before you get into the, hospital, or into the doctor's office, you are sick after because you were waiting in the, in the waiting room and those sick, sick kids are sneezing and... And just all over and coughing all over you and, and you just are sitting there and you're, ah, oh, you can feel, you can feel contagious, just, or the contagion getting all over you. The sickness climbing into you, the, the, the viruses climbing up in your nose, right? You know what I'm talking about. You can feel like, uh, <coughs> you're like, man, I don't feel good. I was just, I was just coming for a, a routine checkup, but I don't feel good now. Why is it that we give man more time then we do God. I used to have this rule when I, when I pastored. I, I, I am youth pastor in part-time now, and, but I don't see it as much. We planted a church, so I was, I was kind of senior pastor at the, during that time. And I used to have this rule. People would come up and say, we need a counsel. We need to talk with you. And I'd be like, okay, the rule is don't come talk to me unless you've spent one hour in prayer. And they would say, an hour in prayer? Like all week? Add it up? No, no, no. One hour before you come and talk to me, you've spent one hour previously in prayer. And they'd say, why would we spend an hour in prayer? Because if you're not going to listen to him, you ain't going to like what I'm going to say. I wanted to make sure that their hearts were tendered. And so therefore, prayer matters. It positions us, it creates within us a heart to do what God wants to do. And so last night we talked about building an altar an altar is not necessarily, I, I hope to God that you didn't go home and, and, and husbands, you break out all your tools and your saws and you started cutting wood and cutting trees and, 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 and making this altar. That wasn't what it's about. It was simply that this morning maybe you woke up 15, 20 minutes earlier than you normally do and you got down on your knees and said, God, I just want to spend some time with you today. That's what an altar is. An altar is a place to meet with God. And so um, we talked about building an altar. Tonight I want to talk to you on the topic of uh, guidelines to answered prayer. What if I could tell you that I can give you rules that guarantee every one of your prayers will be answered from this moment on? That every time you pray, your, an- your prayers will be answered. Wouldn't you want to, wouldn't you want to ride that, uh, buy that book? Well, I'm not going to tell you all your prayers are going to be answered. Some of you were like... Dude, I've been waiting for this my whole life. (laughs) I want to talk to you tonight about three guidelines to a successful prayer life. 
Open in your Bible with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 14. And they're going to be passing out some things just, just to kind of help you out. I'll let you guys pass those out. <clears throat> Actually, let's, before we read that, let's, let's look at that, at that paper that says prayer is. A dear friend of mine by the name of Dr. Dick Eastman is the one that kind of compiled this. We added and changed a little bit, but it's basically all the same. So I hope you brought a pen. I hope you brought something to write with. Because this is kind of, we're trying to do as much, because we're going to give you a lot of information tonight. But uh, we're going to try to help save some time by giving you some information. So there is some fill in the blank. As you look at that, that, that sheet that says prayer and what is it, please know that this is not in its entirety at all. These are some, just some generalized themes that, that real, really will help you in your prayer time to come to an understanding of what prayer really is. As you look at that prayer is, number one says this, prayer is the first step towards knowing Jesus Christ. We talked about on, on Sunday knowing God and how prayer is, 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 is about getting to know God. And as we get to know God, and, and I think they're going to make a couple copies for those that didn't get them, and we'll make sure that we get these in your hands. But prayer is, is that time, that conversation. How many of you know prayer is a conversation that's got to take place, that it's not just you talking? Now, for some of you, that seems completely strange because in your prayer time, you're the only one that talks. I will never forget, I was at a prayer meeting with Dr. Dick Eastman and, and a, an awesome woman of God. Her name is uh, Barbara Be- uh, Beverly, and uh, she, she is the international um, intercessor for Women's Aglow. She, she, helped, uh, she prays over the World uh, Prayer Center. She travels all over, speaks and prays with uh, like, like the National Day of Prayer. She goes to the White House and prays. She gets paid to pray eight hours a day. I'm like, Dude, I want that job. But Barbara was in there, and, and Steve, uh, another guy, I don't know if you ever remember, uh, a guy by the name of Terry McCallman, and he had a failure, but he was an awesome, he traveled with Benny Hinn, was an awesome worship leader. But all these people were in this room praying, including Dr. Dick Eastman's mentor. 
And Dr. Williams, he was probably in his late 80s when we were there. And we were praying, and we are praying over this meeting and asking God for these conferences that we were wanting to set up. And as we were praying, I just started crying out to God. I'm like, Jesus, would you pour out a spirit of revival? Would you awaken the generation that has been dead? And I'm just crying out. For four, over 45 minutes, I'm just crying out to God. Now, these older saints of God are just sitting there like, yes, God. And then like 10 minutes later, they'd be like, oh, God, yes. And they're like tears running down them. And they're like shaking and trembling. And I'm like, God, I'm like losing my voice, screaming as if God was deaf. And they're like, please, Lord, yes, Lord, do it. And all of a sudden we finished and they said, we we finished this prayer meeting. And they said, Jamie, would you pray over our our meeting? And I'm like, I just did. You can't even talk right now, but you guys didn't pray. I'm thinking, I'm just going to be real. I'm thinking, you guys didn't even really pray. You just agreed. And I went through that meeting and I just was wanting to talk to one of them. So I went up to Dr. Williams and I said, Dr. Williams, help me for a moment. Something, I missed it in the prayer meeting. I said, I was the only one crying out. And he says, yeah, because you're still young and dumb. (laughs) Thank you. And he says, no, you don't get it. He says, in your prayer time, you're the only one talking. He says, see, in your prayer time, you were running all your ideas by God. He says, in our prayer time, God starts running his ideas by us. And he says, he's not doing it in order for us to approve it or, or us to say, okay, God, you know, th- this, let's change that a little bit. He said, God's heart is, is, is going to happen. And he says, so he started sharing his heart. And that's where he said, I am going to pour out my spirit. And that's where we were like, oh, God, yes. And so we were responding to God. We were ignoring your prayers because your prayers are fine, but we were more interested in what God had to say. Now, let me explain this really quick. I, I, was a, I still am an electrician. I'm a journeyman electrician. I, own, uh, I owned electrical business uh, for, for a long time. I started doing electrical work when I was 12 years old. My grandpa started it. Long story short, my dad owns it now. But when I was, we used to call it dingbatting, okay? And dingbatting was when you went out and did a service call. And, and it wasn't because we were dingbats. Just going to let you all know that. Um, it was because we were going to go help fix what other people broke. The dingbat. Okay. Just, so when you call an electrician, go, don't call me a dingbat. Um, but we called it dingbatting. I used to, we used to charge $85 an hour to go do these service calls. Well, I finally had, it, had enough of it where I went to my dad. I said, I will never do another service call for 85 bucks. I want 135 bucks or I won't do them, period. And he says, well, why? And I said, people are idiots. I said, there is nothing that is more frustrating to me than going to somebody's house to fix what they broke. And while you're there to try to fix it, they're trying to tell you how to do it. I said, for 135 bucks, I'm going to back some people up so that I can work. And so I'd go to a person's house and they'd be like, oh, well, and they'd try to explain what was wrong. And that's fine. But then they would just sit there and talk and they would waste time. And all of a sudden I would say, listen, I am making one hundred and thirty five bucks off of you talking. I can either do my job or I can sit here and talk. I get paid the same amount. And they'd be like, oh, okay, let's just go ahead and do it. I wasn't trying to be rude. I had a job to do. And I went through school to to learn how to do what I was doing well. They didn't go to school. They may have went to Lowe's and got a how to do electrical and mess up and spent a lot of money trying to pay other people to fix it book. But, (laughs) it was kind of like slow and they're like, yeah, I get it now. (laughs) 
My dad always said this one thing. Don't, be, try to be, don't try to be great at everything. Be great at one thing. And when you are good like electrician, find a good a mechanic and find out the work that he needs to do. Do the electrical and he'll do the mechanical work. Yes, sir. It's great trades. Make sense? Trades. I'm in the trades. So in that, how many times do we go to an altar and say, God, if you'll fix me and you'll do this and you'll do that and we'll do this. Can I tell you? The reason we're in the mess we're in is because we dabbled in what we should not be doing. And we try to tell God and give God our advice and give God our opinion. God doesn't need our opinion on how to fix us. God doesn't even need our opinion or our advice on what to do in our life. God has a perfect plan. We need to back up and say, God, do it. Have your way. God doesn't need. Have you ever tried to talk to God about somebody else? How's that work for you? I've been married. I'll be like going to God and I'll say, Lord, if you just fix her. <laughs> She's praying, God, would you just fix him? And what does God do? No, let me fix you. <laughs> God will never talk. If you notice, you try to talk to God about somebody else. He never talks about that person. If you notice, he ignores gossip. He wants to deal with you because you're the problem. Everybody, I want you to say this with me. Say, people are idiots. I'm a person. I'm an idiot. That is a spiritual thought right there. And so in this, God wants to work within us. We are the flawed vessel. And so in talking about prayer, prayer is the first step towards knowing God. It's not us about giving God our advice on how to, get to, to fix us. Prayer is an intimate relationship with God. Number two, prayer is recognizing the presence of God. Do you know that prayer is not necessarily going like, oh, God. It's about walking through a place and saying, God, I feel you. God, I sense you. It's recognizing the presence of God. Number three, prayer is our way to know God intimately. How many of you, and this is not perverted at all but how many of you have a friend that you're really intimate with and i'm not talking that kind of intimacy i'm talking about you're close you are very close you have friends and acquaintances but then you have that friend that you're really close to right does that friend that intimate relationship know things about you that nobody else knows why because you've trusted them Can I tell you that there are a lot of people that attend church on a regular basis that don't know the heart of God. That just are attenders, just acquaintances. But then there's other people that are intimate with God. That know the heart of God. Know what he's thinking. They they know where he's moving. Prayer is our way to know God intimately. Number four, prayer is laying hold of God's promises. Do you know it's impossible to lay hold of God's promises without praying? Number five is prayer is the soul on its knees. I love that one. It's the soul on its knees. Number six, prayer is is the path to strength and peace. If I want to become stronger in my physical body, what do I have to do? I have to go to the gym. I have to do things that normally I wouldn't do. And so therefore, in, 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 spiritu- in spirituality, in order to get stronger, we have got to go to prayer. We've got to get in our word. We have to go to, to Bible study. We have to go to devotion. We have to go to Sunday morning. It is not just about 
putting in our time card and saying, I was here. It is about us growing. It is about. So so when you come to church, listen, you're not coming to church just to hear a message. You're not coming to church just to drop your tithe. You're not coming to church just to lift your hands and sing a couple songs. You're coming to spend time with God. Now, imagine this for a moment. How would you feel if you invited somebody like your children or you invited a friend to your house? They came to your house and they never talked to you. Do you know how many times people go to church and don't even talk to God and it's his house? Well, I don't have time to pray. And we'll worship to God, but we won't worship with God. There is a big difference. Have you ever had that person that calls you on the phone and all they do is talk? They're like, and then you go to say something and you're like, and they're like, okay, I have to go. You're like, Wow. God wants to walk in relationship with you. And when you come into this house, he wants to have communion with you. Remember we talked about communion is deep. Now, I understand church. I understand working. I understand family. I understand time. Can I tell you, there is not one person in this place that can't spend 10 minutes every Sunday here at this altar. If you will set in your heart, I'm going to spend 10 minutes answering an altar call no matter what pastor preaches. Hopefully he won't preach on homosexuality. And <laughs> I'm going to be there. But if you'll plan it in your heart, listen, I'm going to go to that altar. I'm going to spend time with God. Guess what? Watch your relationship begin to instantly grow. Make spending time in prayer part of your day. We'll make time to brush our teeth. We'll make time to eat. We'll make time to to watch TV. We'll make time to read the newspaper, make coffee. But do we make time to spend talking with God? Because that's where that strength and that peace comes from. Number seven is prayer is our means to touch God. Now, physically, we can't see God. But spiritually, through prayer, we can touch God. Remember with the issue, the one with the issue of blood, she said, if I only touch him, if I only touch him, I will be made whole. That's a spiritual truth right there. If you only touch God, can I tell you, you're going to leave with power and strength and virtue. Number eight, prayer is our way to understand God's plan. Now, the crazy thing is, is God's got a plan for your life. Every single one of you, you may be the, you may be the biggest screw up, the biggest knucklehead, the biggest stubborn person in this room. But God's got a plan for your life. Don't try to figure out that plan on your own. Go to God and say, God, what's your plan for my life? I'll never forget the first time I walked on. I was uh, my first commercial job. Um, we were putting, uh, we were, we were wiring a huge prison. I was a first year cub. I didn't have a clue how to read blueprints. I had worked on houses since I was 12, flung a lot, miles of rope wire, but I had no idea. I was looking at this print going, that thing is messed up. I had no idea how to read that map. Guess what I did? I went to somebody who did. I said, man, what what do I need to do here? I don't quite understand this. And he said, oh, see this? This is a home run. This is a pipe. This says right here, three-quarter. You need to run three-quarter pipe from here all the way to there. Perfect. Got it. Done. You know what? Sometimes we just spin our wheels trying to figure it out. 
And we wonder why we're not growing. It's because, listen, go to God and say, what's your plan for my life? And then write it down and say, Pastor, hey, listen, I feel like God spoke this to my heart. Pastor, what do you think? Because guess what? Pastor can help read your blueprints and say, listen, I, now, listen, be careful with this. We just went on this, fa- we're going on this fast as a ministry. And, and I, I, I'm very careful on teaching on fast. You get some kid that's just zealous and says, you know, what? I'm going to fast air for the next month. I'm hungry for God. I believe God can sustain me. That's great. But you know what? Let's do this, okay? Just hold your breath for 30 seconds, and while you're doing it, thank God, okay? Let's start there, okay? And then maybe give up candy bars. There's some zeal. There's some wisdom. And that's part of this as his job is saying, listen, he's not just here to solve problems. Here's, he's here as a pastor. Pastor Samuel is here to help lead, to help train, to help disciple, to help, to help sharpen your walk with God. Because guess what? When I walked into church, I wasn't very good at it. I didn't understand the whole raising of their hands. I'm like, what are they doing? I'm like, why are people crying? That don't even make sense. What language is that? Woo. I remember going, somebody came up and said, I have a prophetic word for you. I'm like, is that like cussing? <laughs> Dude, what's that mean? And he starts speaking and I'm like, that's really cool. What does that mean? I went to my pastor and I said, pastor, what's a prophetic word? He started speaking and he says, well, what did they say? This is what they said. It means that it's not, you're not supposed to dictate your life by what they said. It's just a word that God speaks over you. Don't, don't try to make that happen. Allow that to happen. So, so prayer is our soul on its knees. I love that right there. It's, it's, it's um, I, I totally went back up by five. But um, it's understanding God's plan. There we go. Number nine, prayer is doing business with God. You ever had to do business with somebody? What is doing business with God? Hey, we need to talk. You know what? God's not intimidated by your saying, God, we need to talk. Because I don't understand this right now. I'm a little bit frustrated. I'm not frustrated with you, God. I'm frustrated with the situation. And you do some business with God. You know what's so crazy is we'll, have, we'll do business with each other and not give up on each other. If, if every time that my bride got frustrated at me, stopped talking to me, she would never talk to me. Right? What does she do? Hey, 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 hold on. We need to talk. You know what we do as Christians? We get upset with God. We are like, I'm not praying. I ain't going to church. I ain't ain't giving my tithe. You know what you just done? You just cursed yourself. There's times where you just go, God, I just need to do some business with you. It's not that you need to bring any clarity or understanding to me. God, I'm just letting how I feel out. I'm not going to let it poison me. Number 10 is prayer is God's gift of power. Women, how good do you vacuum with the cord not plugged into the wall? So how good is your life going to live it if you're not plugged into God's power through prayer? You're just running around just making lines. You ain't picking up nothing. You ain't making a difference. What are you doing? Oh, just working. How many times do we just work and we're not doing anything? Why? Because of the fact we're not plugged in. Do you know that every day you go without prayer is a wasted day? 
Because you could have done something great for God and maybe God, God overlooked your time of ignorance. Can, don't get used to it. Plug into that power. Number 11, prayer is sitting on the executive committee for world evangelism. That's awesome. God cares about reaching the world. Do you know that? And so when I come to prayer, I can pray for people and, and they may not be on our missionary wall, but I can say, God, would you touch my family that's in Kansas? God, would you touch my, my sister that's down the block? God, would you touch? And God is on that committee. He wants to reach everybody everywhere. Number 12, prayer is two people in love. I love that one. You know one of the greatest things about marriage is? I, I looked at my bride the other day. I'd been gone like crazy this summer from the second week of June until the end of August. I was home for 12 days. And I looked over at her and I said, baby, you know what the greatest thing about being married to you after 17 years is? You're still here. And I just looked at her. I said, I love you so much. She's like, go to sleep. Yes, ma'am. How many times does God set a sunrise and cause trees to blossom and change colors and we drive through it and just kind of tell God, eh, Prayer is noticing who God is and what he is doing and saying, God, thank you for those trees. We were driving to Seeger and, and, and Mr. Dan, thank you so much for letting us come into your school. I'm going to tell you, this guy, I've been in a lot of schools to have that many kids under control and being as respectful as they were. That shows leadership as well. But as we were driving, I was looking at the trees. Oh, my gosh. Orange and red and yellow. And I'm like, this is beautiful. Thank you, God. It's two people in love. You know, one of the worst things I can do well, to my bride is when I come in the house and she's been working all day and she's been cleaning is not to notice what she's been doing. It doesn't take a long time to give a compliment. You know what? Compliment God every once in a while. Please hear me. God's world ain't going to fall apart. God ain't going to stop making the sun rise because you didn't compliment him. But how good do compliments feel? Brides, let me give you a little, let me give you a little information. You want your husband to take out the trash? Do this. Be like, what's up, handsome? You've been working out. She's like, I've done that. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you grab that trash bag, and you're like, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you ever seen that guy with the world on his shoulders? You look like him right now. You're the biggest, strongest, toughest man. Now get the trash outside. Oh, yes. Compliments feel good, don't it? When you look at that bride and you say, you know what? You're absolutely gorgeous. Is that a new dress? 
Or is, man, you smell nice. Those are compliments. You know why? It says that we are created in the image of God. And if we like compliments, when our worship, that's what it does to God. When we worship, this is the goal. The worship is that your goal should not just be about singing songs. Your worship should make God blush. God's like, wow. They noticed. Prayer is two people in love. Number, number 13, prayer is giving God access to your need. You know, I believe that God wants to work a whole lot more in your life if you let him. God wants to work on behalf of you. God, they're, they're, whether it be physically, whether it be spiritually, whether it be emotionally, whether it be in your family, whether it be with your bills, whatever it may be, God wants to work on your behalf. You got to ask him, though. Because you know what? If we as people won't help people, we, we have a hard time helping somebody or allowing people to help us, I should say. We have a hard time allowing people to help us. Even though we may need help, sometimes a little bit of pride creeps in and says, you know what, I can do this on my own. When we ask God, God moves in. God is a gentleman. He's not going to kick that door open and just start doing things because the problem was is if you weren't going to ask him, you won't say thank you after he's done it. So God wants to work on behalf of you. So it's giving God, prayer is giving God access to your needs. Number 14 is prayer is the key to the miraculous. I've seen blind eyes open. We just saw a young boy, 17 years old, by the name of Sean, who was blind, walking around Tuesday at a camp in Colorado this summer, walking around with a, with a stick. Eyes were completely white. He went to an altar and was praying that not one kid, this was on Tuesday, was praying that not one kid would leave the place without knowing their identity in Christ, opened his eyes and could see. Nobody even prayed for, well, I say that. Nobody was laying hands. My daughter had just come up with another girl from our youth ministry who needed God to straighten out her back or she was going to have to have surgery. And they were praying for him under a burden. And Cameron, my daughter, came up to me. She says, Daddy, how come God won't heal him? And I said, baby, I don't understand, but baby, keep praying. God's put a, I mean, they're sobbing, they're weeping. And they turned away and went to walk away. And instantly the guy starts screaming, I can see. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs. I've seen deaf ears open up. I, now, for time's sake, you have to trust me on this. I've seen a person dead raised that was in the hospital. And I have the death certificate signed by the doctor. He had pneumonia in both lungs. I wasn't feeling too faith-filled. I was just going to pray with the family while they unplugged him because he had a do not resuscitate and do not keep alive on, 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 on machines. And they resuscitated him while his family was out while he passed away. And all of a sudden, they put him on the breathing machine and it was pushing oxygen into his lungs and his heart was beating. But they said, if he pulled the plug, he's done. And so the doctor signed the death certificate. I know it's not the way you're supposed to do it, but he signed the death certificate and told the nurse, when you unplug him and he stops breathing and his heart stops, just put the time in. I have to go. He's dead. And we went in there and we watched him come out and live three more years. And he gave his life back to the Lord. Really cool is God told us to sing to him. Well, told me to sing to him and told Shelly to sing to him. We were in the room. Now, I'm a preacher. If you ever heard me sing, you would get up from the dead and run out. 
You'd be like, shh, I'm trying to die here. <laughs> right? God speaks to me and says, sing Jesus loves me. I said, I know what to sing. Jesus loves me. And Shelly says, no, amazing grace. I said, well, let's sing both. We sang both of them to him. Cool thing about it is afterwards, this was on Tuesday. On next Monday, he's released from the hospital. The doctor signs a scientific miracle. Huh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Didn't look like your medicine was working, son. (laughs) But he goes home and he starts telling a story of how he turned his life away from the Lord because his dad had been hurt in a Baptist church and his dad said that Jesus was fake. And he says, but I heard people praying when I was in that room and I really felt like God's presence walked in and I heard Jesus call my name. And he says, you know what? I'm giving my life back to Jesus. And he says, there were two of my favorite songs when I was a kid. Do you want to sing them? And had his niece play the piano to Amazing Grace and Jesus Loves Me. That's how personal my God is. And he lived three more years and led his nurse to the Lord right before he died while singing Jesus Loves Me. God is awesome. But when we pray, it's the key to the miraculous. Now, please hear me. I prayed for a lot of sick people. I prayed for my niece for over 15 months. And she still died of cancer. I don't understand why not every prayer is answered when it comes to sickness. But I do know this. I won't give up on it. I do believe that God is still the healer and is in the healing business. And number 15, prayer is the very breath of spiritual life. And when you don't pray, guess what? You begin to spiritually suffocate. Sometimes, let me give you something. When we found out our niece was, was diagnosed with cancer, everything was going absolutely great and everything was going good. And I'll never forget, my bride came across this quote and it simply said this, God will, God will allow, disrupt perfection in order to reinstate passion. Sometimes bad things happen, but guess what? It gives us an opportunity to pray. Prayer is a vehicle to go and meet with God anytime and anywhere. And not always does it have to have music playing. Some of the greatest times of prayer that I've ever found is nobody's around. I love walking into a sanctuary at a church early in the morning where there's still that cool, that crisp, it's kind of chilly in the room. And you walk in and nobody's playing music. There's not a, there's not Rita Springer. There's not Jesus culture on the, on, on the speakers. It's just you and God and you walk in and all of a sudden God's there. And there's this darkness and this silence, but God's presence is literally radiating. Let's get into this word and it, it's not going to be, Majorly long. Second Chronicles 7 verse 14. It's, going to... it's one of my favorite scriptures when it comes to prayer. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And they'll seek my face and they'll turn from their wicked ways. Let me break down this scripture just for a moment and say, who, if he, who is he talking to? He says, if my people who are called by my name. Who's he talking about? He's talking about his church, but he's talking about anyone that would have enough guts to claim to be a Christian. To be Christ-like. It says that, he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Can I first tell you this? Nobody that is not humble is going to pray. The self-sufficient cannot pray. 
because they have no need of prayer. And so they find all of their resource in themselves. Can I tell you, we first need to humble ourselves and pray. Something happens when we humble ourselves. Let me explain this. Remember in Isaiah chapter six. Remember where it says, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Isn't that our goal? To see God? Wouldn't it be cool to see God? You ever met somebody that says, I just saw God. I had a vision of God. And they go to try to explain it. I always back up when somebody comes to me and say, I had a vision of God. I always go to Ezekiel and try to say, okay, Ezekiel had a vision of God and he stood by a river for seven days like this. How are you going to use your fine, simple words to describe the king of glory? And so, therefore, people will come up and, I I saw God. Well, Isaiah saw God. I want to see God. And he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Well, right there tells us everything we need to know in order to see God. Number one, who was Uzziah? Uzziah was Isaiah's cousin. He He was the king. But he was also a very arrogant and a very prideful man. Now, let me explain why I say that. Because Uzziah walked in. He was the king, so he had this mentality. I will do whatever I want, however I want, whenever I want, and nobody can tell me anything. What? So Uzziah walked in to the temple and took some things that were holy. And as he took those things that were holy because he thought he had a right because he was the king, as he took it, it says leprosy broke out on him. And God showed him who was really in in power and in control. Guess what Uzziah died of? Leprosy. He died from this disease that ate away his body. Now watch. In the year that Uzziah died. Now watch. What did Uzziah represent? Pride. Now if you just transimpose his name for what he represented. In the year that pride died, I saw the Lord. What is it going to take for you to see God? No more you. Not about what you want, not about what you feel, not about what you think. It is about him. Pride will separate you and continue to separate you from God. But in the year that pride died, Isaiah saw the Lord. Not only did he see the Lord, if you will read through the book of Isaiah, the first five chapters were nothing more than a history report of where Israel was after he has this encounter, after he lost something. He loved his, he loved Uzziah. Uzziah was more than just his cousin. He was his best friend. And as he lost something that meant a whole lot to him, guess what? He saw God. Not only did he see God, he got a revelation and prophetic vision of where God was going. And so for the next 61 chapters, he wrote prophetically we as a church need to have an encounter with God and the only way that we are going to encounter God is when our pride dies and when we when our when our pride dies we're going to encounter God listen it is history lessons isn't going to change the world an encounter with God will And so people are going to come in with addictions and strongholds. They don't want to hear about what once happened they want to hear about what God can do with them now And so therefore, listen, let not church just be history lessons. I love knowing about what God did, but I also want what God wants to do now and what he wants to do in the future to come. So it says that if we humble ourselves, and then it says if we pray, and prayer always comes follows humility, and as we pray, seek his face, not his hand for provision or his feet for direction, But just seek his face. 
and we turn. Can I tell you, when you're humble and you pray and you seek his face, instantly you turn away from the very things that are stopping you from God. It just happens. Now, let me explain this. How many have ever heard? See, see, I don't, I'm not that preacher that says, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Okay? You're not going to hear me say that. But watch. The Bible says, Paul's talking to Timothy, and he says, flee all unrighteousness. He's not saying run away from it. He says flee from all right, unrighteousness by pursuing. Now, let's say over here, I'm not trying to be mean, but you're Satan. Okay. And you're Jesus. And when I'm living for the world, I'm living for you. But all of a sudden, I give my life to the Lord. I now pursue. By fleeing, it's not about getting up and running. It is about pursuing righteousness, pursuing godliness, pursuing God. And as I wake up every morning and pray, and every day I wake up and read my Bible, and every day I begin to say, God, give me a heart, and I begin to intercede, guess what happens? I've now separated myself unintentionally. And now all of a sudden, people are going, wait a second, why don't you drink? Why don't you do these, anything, these things anymore? I don't, I don't even have the desire to do it. Why? Because now I have a desire for God. And so therefore, what he's saying is, is if you'll humble yourself, you'll pray and you'll seek my face, what will happen is it will gravitate you towards me and all of a sudden you'll turn instantly and automatically from wickedness. And once that happens, guess what happens? It says... I will hear from heaven. Doesn't say that I'll hear from heaven just because you cry out to me. It says I'll hear it from heaven because number one, you humbled yourself. Number two, you prayed. Number three, you sought my face. And number four, it turned you from your wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven. Watch this. God says, if you will, then I will. Notice that it's not an either or. It's an and. It's... All these things have to be done. He says, then I will hear you from heaven and forgive you your sins and heal your land. Watch. You know what we as a church are great at? Being satisfied with our sins being forgiven. That was never a part of the equation. You know what salvation means? Sozo. In the Greek, you know what sozo means? Utter and complete redemption. You know what we do? We have learned as pastors to pray a sinner's prayer and have you repeat it. And all it's doing is dealing with the sin. When a person gives their life to Jesus, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, you're healed. But you know what we satisfy ourselves with? Just being forgiven of our sins. And we wonder why our land isn't being healed. Because as long as we're willing to live without revival, we will. But God's saying, no, 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 no. All of this. All of it. says, seek first the kingdom of righteousness, or seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's not that we were like, um, you know, God, let me have that, and give me a side of righteousness with some holiness and some forgiveness to go. It's all of it. It's all of it. So when you come and you say, God, become my Lord, become my Savior, guess what happens? You become whole. But you only focus on one part. 
And as you focus on one part, what happens? If you have three kids and you only constantly brag about one or you're constantly only giving attention to one, what happens to the other other two? They don't become, they're, they're not part of the scene anymore. They feel left out. Now, please hear me. Holiness and righteousness are not feeling left out. They're just saying, hey, listen, we, you can have us too if you desire it. So God's saying, listen, humble yourself, and then I will do these things. Because I ultimately want to heal your land. Now, watch what it goes on. It says, no, I has been, uh, uh, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Why, when I pray, God give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Because in the book of Revelations, the Spirit of God is speaking to the church. And he says, he who has eyes, let him see. He who has ears, let him hear. Can I tell you, God is trying to tell us some things and show us some things. But so many times we come in and we're mute and blind to the things of God. So when I stand up and preach and say, hey, listen, we're going to pray this dangerous prayer. Pray this with me. What happens is we're asking for eyes to see and ears to hear. Because we want to hear what God is speaking and saying. James chapter 6, verse 16, it was already said today. But in the Amplified, it says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. See, the definition of guideline is this. A guide by which one is, a line by which one is guided. A cord or rope to aid a passer over a difficult point or to permit retracing your course. It indicates or outline a policy or conduct. See, guidelines to answer prayer. The first one, A, write this down. This is one of the most important, but they all three are like a, a, a rope of three cords. They're all important. But the first one is this. A is the condition of the person. Do you know one of the first guidelines to answered prayer is the condition of the person? What does that mean? Number one is this. The condition of the person is broken down into two parts. The first part is this. The condition of the heart. The condition, your heart matters in prayer. The condition of the heart is crucial in determining if your prayer life will be successful. Let me say that again. The condition of your heart is crucial in determining if your prayer life will be successful. Why? Because if your heart is bad, what do they tell you physically? If your heart is bad, you're not going to do too good, right? So if our ticker stops working physically, what happens? We could have a brain, we can have a body, but without a heart, we can't live. And so if our heart is bad, and our heart is perverted, and our heart is selfish, and our heart is hard, guess what? Our prayers are going to be unsuccessful. Scripture reference for this. Psalms chapter 66, verses 18 through 20. It says, if I regard iniquity in my heart... The Lord will not, or the Lord will not hear me. But certainly the Lord God has heard me. He has given heed to my voice, uh, the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not rejected my prayer, nor removed his mercy and loving kindness from being with me. You know why? Because he didn't hide heart, sin in his heart. Proverbs 15 verses 29. The Lord is far. From the wicked, but hears the prayers of the righteous. Proverbs 28, verse 9. 
says, he who turns away his ear from hearing the law of God and man, even his prayer is an abomination and hateful and revolting to God. Let me explain something. Can I just get real with you real quick? I don't break the law much. You know, I'm not killing anybody. Not stealing anything. Every once in a while I want to speed a little bit. I'll never forget, there was this one state trooper, bless his heart. (laughs) Jesus, be with him and his family right now. I hated that man. First time he pulled me over, I'm gone so much that they changed the speed limit around my neighborhood and right down my street, went from 45 to 35. That's a big difference. I wasn't speeding, but I was going 39 in a, what I supposed was a 49. He pulled me over, gave me a speeding ticket for four over. I'm like, what do you mean? It's 45. And he said, no, it's changed. He could have given me a warning. The next week, he pulled me over for 37 in a 35. I'm like, are you kidding me? Seriously? The next day, 37 in a, 30, in a 35. I'm like, I mean, he was pulled out right by my house. I mean, he was waiting for me. I was like, you hate me, don't you? <laughs> Two days later, I got pulled over for a 36 in a 37, or a 35. I was like, dude, I got one mile and over. How in the world can you do that? That's illegal. Gave me a ticket for $27. I said, I'm gonna fight this in court. He said, go ahead. The court costs us 40 bucks. <laughs> and I'm like, you're a jerk. You're a person. And I remember sitting there and I was going to the airport getting ready for a ministry trip and I was like just mad. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, the law is 35. He says, the problem is, is my people do the same thing to me and then they get mad and blame me that they weren't breaking the law. One mile an hour over is still over. One lie is a lie. One thought is a thought. One word is a word. One deed is a deed. The reality is, is he said, even your prayers make me sick. I was praying to him and he was going, you're going to talk to me about breaking the law because my word says you break the law of man and God and your prayers are an abomination to me. Well, I'm not saying that God is a father. He's not a cruel judge. He's a, he's a father. And what would I do if my daughter got a speeding ticket? I don't care how much she was speeding. Give me your keys. See, we have to look at the condition of our heart. Write this down. It's in the, in the fill in the blanks. Prayer will be ineffective unless approached with a pure heart. You know how many times we start our prayer life and we never even search our heart? The Bible is very clear. It says, search me, O Lord, that you may know my entirety. Right underneath that, fill in the blank. Unforgiveness is the leading cause for unanswered prayer. Do you know that? 
Unforgiveness. You know why? Because it says without, uh, it says if you regard iniquity in your heart, God can't hear you. We have already talked to that. But also know this. It says if you are not willing to forgive those that have sinned against you, then your Father in heaven cannot forgive you. And therefore, if you have not forgiven, then you cannot be forgiven. And so therefore, you've hidden sin in your heart. Even though you've said, God, forgive me, if you do not forgive those that have sinned against you, that sin is still attached to you. But you know why we want unforgiveness? Because we, we deserve it. They made us mad, right? You know, the worst part about you being mad at somebody is you're the only one that's got to get over it. That stings, doesn't it? You know, there, there's people you're mad at right now that don't have any clue that you're mad at them. But you know how we forgive? <laughs> I'm going to call them and tell them I'm going to forgive them. Pastor, I don't know if you've ever had this, but people come up to me and say, hey, pastor, you made me mad and I need to just talk to you because I forgive you. You ever had that? I just want you to know, you don't have to, but I just want you to know, I forgive you. They're feeling better while I'm getting vomited on. I'm like, thank you very much. Now I hate you. You know what? Forgive them. Forgive them. Let them go. Now, there are some things that you need to discuss. Maybe with, in certain situations, but not in all situations. Sometimes you just got to go, you know what? I got to be the bigger person here. And I've got Jesus inside of me. And nothing is going to separate me from God. And so this unforgiveness, this hurt, I just let it go. This bitterness, it's not worth it. Because bitterness will poison your soul. Do you know what they're figuring out right now? They're doing studies. I just talked to Dr. Brian, a good friend of mine. They're doing studies right now that are proving the link to cancers and different things. Just if you have cancer, don't say that. Don't, don't take this where I'm going with this, okay? You got to search your heart. But they're linking diseases, heart failure, cholesterol, blood pressure to emotional baggage. You know, one of the leading causes right now, Dr. Brian, it's in the science journal right now. One of the leading causes for hypertension is anger. Being mad at people. Fine. Be mad. Have a heart attack and have a stroke. That's really going to get back at that person. The reality is it's not worth it. It's not worth it. The Bible says, well, well, doesn't the Bible talk about that it's okay to be angry? Yeah, get angry, but don't blow it. Don't have that unforgiveness. Don't stop your prayer life. Don't silence it because of unforgiveness. Mark chapter 11, verses 24 through 25, it says, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe in your heart that you will receive it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Let it go. It's not worth it. I promise you, people have made me mad. I have... 15 of these little suckers right here. They make you mad every once in a while. You just got to look at them and say, okay, I love you still, but just leave. Kids make you mad. Spouses make you mad. Employees make you mad. Employers make you mad. Insurance makes you mad. Government makes you mad. Broncos will take you off. Thanks for giving us Peyton Manning. He's really helped us. We are a winning season. I want Tebow back. At least he prayed before the game and during the game and after the game. 
It's amazing. We'll get mad when we throw in things. Oh, I hate them. And you're like, Shelly will go, it's just a game, Jamie. No, it's not. (laughs) You're like, God, give them a win. And God's like going, I can't even hear you right now. What'd you say? You have no signal. Number two part of this is, write this down, the condition of the walk with Christ. Talking about relationship. The condition of the walk will determine the destination of your prayer time. The condition of your walk will determine the destination of your prayer time. What does that mean? How you're walking will determine where you're going. If you're not walking with the Lord, your prayer time is going to end up somewhere other than where God desires it to be. So how you're walking, what are you doing when you're not praying? What are you, how are you acting when you're not in church, when everybody's watching you? How are you treating your spouse? How are you speaking to your kids? You know one of the number one reasons that PKs hate church is because of people. PKs are pastor's kids. They hate people. You know why? Because they see how their, the, the, the parents are dying and serving the people, and they see how people treat their parents, and they're going, wait a second, I don't want this. But you know, the other reason that they don't serve God is because they don't see parents living it at home. I'll never forget. I called. I was with this, this, this very, I mean, he's like a hero to me, spiritual giant. I was with his son driving in a car. I asked him, I said, <clears throat> I said, how's dad really when nobody's watching? I wasn't trying to get dirt. I promise you. I said, is he the same person? And he goes, no, he's not. And I mean, I was like, ugh. Are you kidding me? And he goes, he's better. I said, what do you mean? He says, oh, the church gets his leftovers. We don't. And I went, oh my gosh. I said, would you pray for me? I says, I want my kids to say something like that. I want them to say, you know what? My dad's a better pastor at home than he is from the platform. He's a better person. He's more real. He's more compassionate. He's more loving. See, the condition of your walk as parents. You know what I found out? If you're walking right, people will get in line and follow you where you're going. Including your family and your friends. Scripture for this is, is Psalms 84 verse 11. It says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. I want a blameless walk before God. And if I have a blameless walk before God, guess what? I'm going to have a blameless walk before man. The second guideline is the purpose of the prayer. The first one is the condition of the person. But now it's about the purpose of the prayer. What do you mean? Number one, the reason behind the request. Why are you asking for what you're asking for? Have you ever stopped and asked yourself the question, why am I asking this from the Lord? Why am I praying about this? It's, there's this, uh, I I hate tomatoes, okay? I'm just letting you know, I despise them. I think they are the fruit that grew on the tree that caused Adam and Eve to sin. (laughs) They are the knowledge of good and evil. You take a bite of a tomato, you normally know what's good. What is in your mouth is now evil. (laughs) Okay, that's just my saying on it, okay? But in saying that, I hate tomatoes. There's one thing I always get at this one restaurant, and it comes with tomatoes. I should know it. I always get it, and I mean, it is infested with tomatoes. Sin all over the plate. 
The other day I got it and Shelly goes, why do you get it? It has tomatoes not on it, it has it in it. And I said, but it's so good. And she goes, well, so I asked the lady, I said, ma'am, can I, I hate tomatoes. They'll kill me and take me to hell if I eat them. Can I get another order? And she goes, sir, they're in. It's made with them in it. Said, they said, there's no way to get it without tomatoes. I'm like, I really want it. it. Tastes good, but I don't like the tomatoes. And all of a sudden, it made sense to me. How many times do we stand at an altar and we ask God for patience and we don't like what comes along with patience? Because he doesn't give you this box and go, here's some patience. <sighs> he gives you kids that are like, don't touch me. I hate you. And that always happens when you're driving. You're like beating kids. I hate huge SUVs because now you got to like lean back. Take the steering wheel. Patience. Patience comes in kids. Patience comes with husbands. Right? Ask me to do the laundry. I put it all in one. It comes, okay, we have pink shirts and socks and everything. It's okay. Patience. But God, Lord, would you help me? Can I tell you, we'll pray for peace, but we don't want the storms to go through to get to the peace. We want the healings, but without the sickness, there is no healings. Without, we want the supernatural, but we don't want what we have to go through to get the supernatural. Can I tell you, God's not going to just give it to you. You have to go through some things. That's life, guys. Life wouldn't be, it would be, would be completely easy if we had nothing to pray for. But if we had nothing to pray for, we would have no need of God. And so therefore, listen, what, why do you ask for the things that you ask for? See, your prayer requests will reflect the condition of your heart. And your relationship with God. You ever been with a person that's just, I mean, they, they've got a throne waiting next to Jesus up in heaven. They're just, that's my mom. I'm telling you, my mom, whew, I'm just a product of a praying mom. I'm just going to tell you that right now. She used to pray. I used to be doing drugs, and she'd be praying over my vent going, God, don't let him come down until he'll never do it again. I was high 17 hours before the, day, the last day I got high. She was praying in the Holy Ghost and in tongues and just, and I'm like, stop praying. God, get a hold of him. Make him a preacher. I'm like, no. Don't. Say millionaire. <laughs> when she prays, it's dangerous. It's almost like, don't, don't say nothing. Say nothing, mom. You say something, he's going to do it. Don't say it. Prayer, mamas. Oh, I'm telling you, it's, it's as close to the heart of God as possible. I mean, my mom's got one of those thrones next to Jesus. I mean, she's just an awesome woman. But the crazy thing is, is her prayers, she sits down and prays, and you're like, oh, my God, that's the heart of Jesus right there. And you can tell by her opening her mouth in prayer how much time she spends with Jesus. And so you can tell. Now, please hear me. I'm not knocking on Some people just get nervous. My bride gets nervous in front of people. She'll pray prayers that will floor you. She gets in front of people, and, and she gets nervous. And people do that. But... When a person gets ready to pray and they go, Father God, oh, Father God, Father God, I love you, Father God. 
You're awesome, Father God. Father God. Oh, Father God. God, Father, Father God. Jesus, Father God. Would you bless this place, Father God, and bless this macaroni that we're about to eat, Father God. Bless it, Father God. Jesus, Holy Spirit, the Son, the Trinity, Father God. Y'all heard people pray like that? Some of you are like, that's how I pray. That tells me a little bit about how much time you spend in prayer. Because if I was to talk to, hey, hey, Lindsay, 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 let me, Lindsay, Lindsay, how you doing, Lindsay, Lindsay, you doing all right, Lindsay, Lindsay, Lindsay Hobbs, Lindsay, Lindsay, Lindsay. God knows his name. Talk to him. Don't try to impress him with your fine or persuasive speech. Talk to him like a father. My kids don't come up and say, Daddy, Jamie. James, Father, Papa, Padre. They just say, Daddy. When they're wanting my attention, they'll go, Daddy, Daddy. Hey, Daddy, 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 Daddy. Listen, God, we've got his attention. It says when we pray, he hears us. But when a person is praying, sometimes how they're praying also lets everybody else know how much time they've spent in prayer. I'm not looking for wise or persuasive or well-defined prayers. I'm talking about you can feel whether or not a person is in tune and in relationship with God when they just open up their mouths to pray. You're like, oh my gosh, I feel Jesus on that. See, number two is your will or his will. You ever ask yourself that question? If God answers this prayer that I'm praying right now, is it my will or is it his will? You know how many times we pray and it's our will? See, your prayer request will either be for your will be done or his to be done. Luke chapter 22, verse 41 and 42 says, He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. You know why? Jesus knew exactly what was coming. And you know what? It wasn't the pain that he was asking God to relieve him from. It was the separation of the Father. He did not think he could handle being away from the Father. It would be the first time for all eternity. And when he turned around and he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? He didn't feel God's presence. That's what he was saying, God. I can do everything else. That doesn't scare me. Because I know what it's going. But the separation thing, if there's another way, and he submitted to the authority and the will of the Father, See the purpose behind the prayer. And see the last guideline, number three, is the faith to believe and receive God's answer to your prayer. The faith to believe and receive God's answer to your prayer. See, faith right there defined says a belief or trust in and loyalty to God. Belief in traditional doctrines of a religion, firm belief in something for which there is no proof. You know what's so crazy is I have faith in God, but you know what's led to that faith in God? A change in me. People can tell me I don't believe in God. People, atheists, I can tell you, rich people, poor people, blind people, they can say there's no God, and I can sit there and say, yes, there is, because my life is proof. 
My life is proof. I couldn't have done these changes on my own. Scripture for this is Matthew chapter 9, verses 29. It says this, according to your faith, will it be done for you? Oh, that's scary. According to your faith, it will be done to you. That's almost like, listen, your faith represents amount of money. And according to your money, you'll be able to purchase. I don't want to be poor in faith. I want to be rich in faith. Have you ever prayed? My mom, she used to tell me when I was a kid, she was like, you need to pray the armor of God on you. And I'm like, what? She's like, you need to memorize it. You got to memorize it or you're not leaving this house. So I memorized Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10. Like, and so to this day, I still pray the prayer of faith, uh, the, the armor of God on me before I preach. If you'll see me sometimes, you'll see me go, Father, after I've done everything to stand, let me stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around my waist, having the breastplate of righteousness in place and having my feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Above all, taking up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil and having the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying in the spirit with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, being alert and always praying for the other saints. Back up. Shield of faith. How big's your faith? It says a shield of faith. I don't want a, sim, a, a little thimble to hide behind. <laughs> Psalm said this, you are a shield about me. I want a shield like a bubble. That I may not be able to see something coming, but because of my faith in God, he's got my back. That, that I may not be able to, I may be weak or I may be, I may be slipping or I may be struggling, but God's got me all around and he's a shield of faith about me. And when the enemy's trying to sneak in that arrow where he thinks he can get it into my armor, cause guess what? Uh, we only have armor on the in, on the front side, not the back side. That means if we ever turn our back and run from God, we're in danger. And so therefore he's a shield. It's big. It's big. I want big faith. So therefore, what if you will only receive how big your faith is? That's scary. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1, it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. There are some things I can't see, but I know that God is able. Hebrews eleven six says, And without faith is it, imp- it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him do you know that it takes more faith to believe that jesus came from heaven above is the son of god and died on a cross for our sins than it does to believe that god would heal somebody of blind eyes because why our faith is completely permitted on jesus So we have to believe the first part to ever believe for the second part. So therefore, faith is a big thing according to prayer. If now, now please hear me. Daniel was right when he said, listen, there's been times where our prayer or our prayers are backed up with little faith or even a lot of doubt. But write this down. Number one, faith based prayers are the only prayers that have the possibility to be answered. Now. That's complete truth, but not really. I leave it in there because you've got to hear what I'm about to say. Faith-based prayers are the only prayers that have the possibility to be answered. What does it mean? Faith-based prayers have the only possibility. But what happens when you're doubting? 
they're still faith-based because you're still willing to ask God. Even when you don't think it's possible. Because sometimes your faith may be really small and it may be really weak, but you still have enough faith to know that God is able even though you can't understand it. When my niece was dying and we were sitting there, we still, even in the midst of us knowing that she's probably not going to live and this is going to kill her, we still prayed anyway. You know why? Because we said, God, we can't do anything. We can't do anything. So faith-based is not talking about how you feel, but it's about who you know. It's about you go to, sometimes you go, have you ever been surprised at the ATM machine? Been surprised. Where you're like, I don't know if there's any money in here or not. I don't know if this is going to go through or not. And then you're all of a sudden you're like, I have $26. I'm rich. Right? Refugees? <laughs> They've seen God show up in their bank accounts. They're like, oh, Jesus. Just Jesus. He knows my, he knows my bank account number. Thank you, Jesus. Got them all stirred up now. Sometimes you show up to prayer and you're, you, don't, you don't think you have much to give and all of a sudden God shows up and says, you got more to give. Because we all walk through doubt. You know what doubt is? Miriam Webster was a radical man of God, radical man of God. The first edition of Miriam Webster's dictionary, he defined every word with two to three scriptures. And so therefore, the Miriam Webster's dictionary when it, in, in its first translation, defined doubt as absence of God. And you know what happens when we doubt? We ask God, you know what, can you just give me a few minutes to just think about this for a moment? So sometimes we embrace doubt. Doubt's common. What we gotta do is we gotta resist doubt, not embrace it. So let's close this thing off. Matthew chapter 13, verse 50, 58. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. I always look at it like this. Lack of, fair, uh, lack of faith means lack of prayer. And so he didn't do many miracles because of their lack of ability to ask him. If a house isn't filled with prayer, maybe we're stopping God from doing what he wants to do. Matthew chapter 15 verse 28 says, Then Jesus said, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted and your daughter was healed from that very hour. John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will even do greater things than this because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory. Now watch this. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing, Jesus said. He will even do greater things than these. What, did, what were some of the things that Jesus did? Give me some ideas. What did Jesus do? Refugees. What did Jesus do? Somebody talk to me. He raised the dead. Healed the blind people. Called the waves in the wind. Fed 5,000. Walked on water. Cast out demons. Okay. Notice this. And please hear me. This is not a knock on you guys. This is everywhere I go. Instantly, people gravitate towards the miracles that Jesus did, not the lifestyle that he lived. 
He said, anybody who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. You know what Jesus did? Often withdrew to the lonely places and prayed. Jesus lived a fasted lifestyle. Jesus lived a holy lifestyle. Jesus lived a dedicated and devoted lifestyle. Jesus knew the word because he was the word. He hid the word inside of him. And so that sin could not abide within him. And so Jesus had a dedicated lifestyle. And out of that dedicated lifestyle came a miraculous lifestyle. We want to see the miracles of Jesus, but we don't want to live the lifestyle of Jesus. Cool thing is, is we're made out of dirt, right? Everybody, y'all made out of dirt? Okay, dust shall you come, dust shall you return. You know the most impossible thing, what Jesus said, greater things shall you do? You know the greatest miracle is when, a dirt, when dirt gets clean. And dirt does miracles. And out of the dirt that the enemy tries to keep muddy and keep polluted comes miraculous signs because they've submitted themselves under the authority of God. That gets exciting. And he says, anyone who has faith in me will do what I'm doing. See, God's looking for people to begin to do what he did. Why are we praying? Why? I know it's, I know it's almost 9 o'clock. Isn't that crazy? We're on church. It's been almost two and a half hours, and we've been talking about prayer. It's the longest prayer meeting ever. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> prayer changes things, but we also have to learn about it. Do you know the first recorded prayer the disciples ever prayed was, Lord, teach us how to pray? See, I thought that this was completely right. Remember the faith-based prayers? Until scripture, until noticing in scripture and in life that prayers that are usually fueled, that fuel, uh, prayers that are also fueled, fueled in desperation get answered as well. What are you talking about? Remember the demoniac? The demoniac? Says he was cutting himself. He is demon possessed and he was cutting himself and crying out. And guess what? Jesus heard him and went across the, 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 the sea to him and set him free. Jesus heard the prayers of a demoniac who was crying out in desperation. There's people right now in this city that are crying out that you may never hear, but God hears. And he's saying, listen, if I can just get you full of me enough, I'll send you to the grocery store. I'll send you to the beef house. I'll send you. Where is that restaurant we went today? That was really good. That, what was that place called? The dime store. It was awesome. And give her big tips. But you know what? Who do we need to get full of to take Jesus to them? Or we need to get full of Jesus to take the, to these people that are crying out. And they may be drunks. They may be alcoholics. They may be abusers. They may be filled with pornography and rage and, 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 and addictions and sin and all this stuff. And guess what? They're saying, if there's anybody that can hear me, if there's anybody that can help me, I don't want to do this anymore. And God says, let me start a prayer meeting in a church. And they'll get so full that I'll send you some help. Jesus went all the way across the ocean. He said, let us cross to the other side for a demoniac. Because if he would have went for the rest of the people, he would have turned everybody upside down. But the people didn't want him, but one man did, and he was demon-possessed. See, number two is God's timing. God's timing. God's timing along with your patience and persistency produces the potential for answered prayers. That's awesome, isn't it? God's timing along with your patience and persistency produces the potential for answered prayers. Remember the lady with the persistent widow? What did she keep on doing? She kept on knocking on the judge's house. Please hear me. That story is not about just God. That is not about God because God is not a cruel judge. But he's teaching a lesson about persistency that even persistency can change the heart of wickedness. 
Keep praying. I've been praying for my dad for over, listen, since I was 11 years old, I first prayed that my dad would get saved. I'm 37. Over 26 years, I've been praying for my dad. My dad is getting closer. The other day, he said, he said, pray for me. He said, dad, if I pray for you anymore, you're going to be a martyr in China. And he said, what's a martyr? I said, that means you'll die. You'll probably get your head cut off for Jesus. He was like, all right, talk to you later. Listen, keep praying. It says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, and the doors will be opened. See, number three is not all prayers are answered, and this is going to hurt somebody's feelings. Not all prayers are answered when we want and how we want. But they are, are all answered with either yes, no, depends, or wait. What does that mean? It means that it's according to God's perfect will. Have you ever prayed for something you thank God that he didn't answer? Girls that have prayed for that. Oh, if you could just be my husband, Lord. If she could just be my wife. God, if you'd just give me that job. Listen. God, have your way in my life. If this is part of your plan, then so be it. If not, Lord, I may be a little bit upset, but that's okay. See, James chapter 5, verses 6 in the New King James, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Matthew 21, 21 says, if you believe, you will receive whatever you pray for, you ask for in prayer. At the very end, let's close this thing down. A successful prayer life is a practiced prayer life. You've heard practice makes perfect. But the greatest thing about this prayer life is you cannot wear out your prayer life. It is backed up with an eternal lifetime warranty. In the very end, the quote, after, after something that I walked through that was literally, it knocked the spiritual breath out of me. And I felt like my prayers were a waste of time. And I'll never forget the Lord spoke this to me. He says, the best way to experience success when you pray, Jamie, is to feel like you have failed at it previously. And I said, God, I don't understand. How by failing in prayer does it make me want to pray more? And he says, because you realize how much you need me. Church, I've been praying for a long time. I still don't pray enough. That's what this is about. So this is what we're going to do. Just for 10 minutes. You guys give me 10 minutes? I'm not going to talk no more. I promise you. Can everybody stand up with me? We'll do the human video tomorrow, guys.